Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I am Andy Behrens, your usual Monday slash Tuesday host. Today, I am joined, as usual, by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski. Y- you know what's great about the middle of May in the NFL when the NFL draft is done? There's there's no news. Um, there's no news that we absolutely have to talk about. So we're just going to dive into some fantasy rankings. It's going to be quarterback day here on the podcast uh, fantasy rankings are now live on Yahoo. Uh, in fact, the game is now live. You can get yourself signed up. You can check out the rankings. You can check out a little bit of early content. Uh, sports.yahoo.com slash fantasy. That's your home for it. Uh, so, Scott, we're going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking about quarterbacks today. How, how are you? Uh, how, how are things in your world? Doing great. The weather started to get nicer in Michigan. So I've started to, you know, get back to my golf routine, going to the driving range, um, going to a wedding of a good friend, uh, Rod McNeil in a couple of weeks, looking forward to that. And just the, the, the way the sports calendar is now where, and, and NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, uh, we just, I'm not a, the biggest horsing horse racing fan in the world, but we just saw an amazing historical Kentucky Derby that even I, I implore anybody, even if you don't give one rip about horse racing, just go watch what happened in that race because it was incredible. Uh, so you know, it's a lot going on. Um, yeah, Have you spent a lot of time season. at the track? I've spent a lot of a lot of time at the track in my days. Uh, my dad used to take me to the horse races all the time. Oh, I, I basically had a degenerate youth at the track. Um, and, <laughs> you know, probably set me back. Probably set my emotional development back and my financial development back about ten years. But many many a time uh at the you know going through the full card of uh we used to go to the track so often that i used to think that like two dollar bills were just common that that's just like a thing that we're out there floating around in the world and then they you know turns out when you're when you're not at a racetrack uh you never get one you never see one yeah it's 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 not until i got older and i realized that you know when you consider what the the cut is the rake is in parimutuel wagering and also all the stuff that can happen that you, you're never going to have information on. It's, it's just an impossible game to beat unless you're like, you know, one person out of a million. So um, it, it's something you really have to go with discretionary income and, and make a day of it and have fun with it. And that's what, what's the Kentucky Derby about? It's about, you know, it's about drinking. It's about upping your hat, hat game. It's about seeing and being seen and, and stuff like that. But um, I, I did not have a penny on the race, but it was the most thrilling. I've never seen a horse who, looked so insignificant the entire race and wasn't even getting mentioned. <laughs> I believe he was 17th. The, the horse who won, I believe, was 17th at the top of the stretch and somehow navigated this crazy traffic like on the down the Dan, Dan Ryan Expressway. It was just yeah. amazing. I, I I don't want to sell it too much uh, past this because we're obviously a football podcast. We need to get you into a good quarterback for 2022, which is, of course, never really that difficult. That, that horse just, was a good one-cut runner, though. Like, just uh, put your put your foot in the ground and go. There, right yeah it fit fit the shanahan mold for sure <laughs> so so andy uh you know it, it's always the irony of fantasy football right the nfl is all about oh my god gotta have a quarterback and fantasy is all about oh my god uh yeah i have a lot of choices at quarterback so well nfl teams feel stressed and they do desperate things they make crazy trades for quarterbacks they reach for them in the draft a lot of the time you know, Mitch Trubisky goes second overall one year, you know, uh, Kenny Pickett may or may not have been a first round talent this year, but he was drafted in the first round. Uh, that's not how fantasy 
managers need to play it. Granted, there's always going to be fun guys at the top. And one of the questions we'll always have to address is, well, this one guy looks better than everybody else. Don't I have to try to draft him? I, I guess that's <laughs> one of our objectives today. But it's just kind of ironic that, again, real-life NFL, all about the quarterback. Fantasy football, not all about the quarterback. Yeah, I, I think you and I both play in scoring formats uh, on, I don't know, unusual leagues um, that that do perhaps a better job of differentiating between the the real-life top quarterbacks and the guys who are... Maybe just, you know, you think of the seasons that like the Jameis season, the Blake Bortles season where they were, you know, top five fantasy quarterbacks while probably not being top 15, top 20 real life NFL quarterbacks. Maybe Jameis, certainly not Bortles. There is definitely a disconnect between standard fantasy scoring and uh, like what what actually wins in the NFL. And it's it's just really problematic at the quarterback position. But we're not we're not necessarily here to sort any of that out for you. Maybe maybe at some later podcast in the in the offseason, we'll be able to get into that. But um, here I actually want to start with a with a bit of draft philosophy that we were discussing before we jumped on the pod, which is this idea um, that you just alluded to of of whether they're like whether we even need to target a guy. I don't know. I can't I can't. There aren't very many drafts. A couple of years ago with Lamar Jackson, I guess I, I I always had him in mind. I always tried to find the sweet spot, but that was really about finding somebody who I thought could pop, who was also a value. I can't remember a time when one of the top of draft quarterbacks was also somebody I was like, I, I got to have that guy. I got to build around that guy. Yeah, Jackson is one of your greatest hits. You were also promoting him, if I remember correctly, as a long shot MVP candidate. So anybody who followed that advice, you know, much like the Kentucky Derby, you know, Andy, Andy Barron's <laughs> was was getting you home with a nice long shot. What a, what a great payday that was. I, I'm looking at this board, man. I feel like you can do well in any price point, any ADP yeah. point. And th- there's going to be stylistic differences. You know, some quarterbacks are going to be younger than others. Some quarterbacks are going to run more proactively than others. I think you need almost the perfect setup to get by in fantasy these days with a non-running quarterback. And and also, you know what's really strange this year too, and, and I, maybe we'll get to him later. But the two-time reigning MVP of the NFL is somebody who actually I can tell you right now I'm not going to draft proactively. There's <laughs> going to be rounds where it's like, oh my god, Aaron Rodgers is still here, and I'm like, yeah, and I really don't want him. Uh, the guys in front of him, you know, are more interesting to me. And once it's going to get to Rodgers' time, I'm just going to talk myself into the upside of some of the guys below him. I just, man, I don't know how they got him to come back with Devontae Adams not returning. It, they say that that didn't blindside Rodgers. I mean, who knows if they're telling the truth or not. But, you know, I, Alan Lazard's a nice player. I realize they drafted a, a well-regarded receiver and all that stuff. But um, yeah, if you're crossing names off, maybe that's that's one thing just to get to, to start with, right? Aaron Rodgers, Andy, he's not my fantasy plans for 2022. Yeah, he's kind of in that. Um, and, and I, I do want to mention Rodgers later, along with a couple of other quarterbacks who sort of fall in that same range. And so that's a little that's a little tease of, well, you and I feel fundamentally the same way about Rodgers. I mean, that supporting cast is just not absolutely not the same. I want to I want to start, though, with the with the top five. Um, and part of the reason I want to start with the top five is because I just fired up the rankings right now. And you and I agree, like we've got the same five dudes in there. For me, it is Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Joe Burrow. Uh, actually, not in that order. I've got Burrow at four and Mahomes at five. You you have the same group of five, except uh, except Lamar Jackson and Mahomes are flipped. Um, so talk to me about that. Let's uh, let's talk about two things here at the top. One, Josh Allen is actually the consensus number one. So y- you know we've got that wrong. Like no, you know Dalton, Liz, Matt, we're all we all got the same guy at the top. It's it's Josh Allen. He's obviously coming off a QB one season. It was great, but you know when I asked you the last question, it's 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 more because I I don't feel like Josh Allen is like necessarily a cheat code quarterback for me, right? I think there are other guys in the pool who can put together a similar collection of stats. Obviously we like that he runs. Obviously we like that he's a brilliant passer. He's not, he's not totally alone in that club. We've already seen Lamar Jackson have a bigger season than uh, Josh Allen's 2021. So I, I don't know, sort this out for me. Talk about Josh Allen, if you like, and talk to me about, uh, about particularly Lamar Jackson's projection for 2022, because he's obviously he lost a little bit of receiving talent, but he's the only guy um, he's the only guy who's going to rush for a thousand yards or at least be on that pace. 
I want to say to our kind listeners that we do have a, a new puppy in my family, Teddy, who's been barking. <laughs> Not Teddy Bridgewater, uh, but just just Teddy, uh, Teddy Pianow. And he's uh, he's been barking a lot outside. I tried to to make him an outside dog for this podcast. He may eventually become an inside dog for this podcast. So if I mysteriously you know, vanish from the video feed or you, you see Pianow tackled it, you know, I, I was... It, they didn't come at me with a seven-man blitz. I've been oh, listen, I've got a cranky old dog who, if she decides she wants even one damn thing during this podcast, she will make her uh, her voice heard. Okay. So uh, that established. This top five that we, we both have the same guys. I think what we're really talking about is two different two different tiers. I think Allen's in a tier of his own. He's going to be ranked number one in just about every you know fantasy analyst board. Um, I recently did a magazine mock where our, our mutual friend, Michael Salfino took Josh Allen in the second round. And I think people have to ask themselves a question. Are, are they, do they view Allen as that much of a separator from everybody? Now, again, I'm putting him in his own tier. I'm fine with that, but I'm just not like a, take a quarterback in the second round, take a quarterback in the third round type of guy. I know you have to season at the taste the, in more casual leagues. Quarterbacks tend to go earlier and more, experienced leagues they they tend to go deeper so you, again you know what, what is second round in one league might be fourth or fifth round in another but this, that just means in the fourth or fifth round josh allen leagues you're, you're getting some of these other guys in like the seventh or eighth round it's fine with me again there's never going to be one rule of thumb for all that so i can first start with i'm probably just out of the josh allen business i expected somebody's going to pay a price that i'm not comfortable doing a proactive price i believe the the Bills and they lost offensive coordinator Brian Dable. They've hired from within. Ken Dorsey is the the new coordinator. So you know, this continuity there, uh, Allen is going to be working with most of the personnel that he worked with last year. These are all good things, but he's going to be a little bit too expensive for me. Now, when I look at the next four guys, and again, I have the Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, Jackson. I look at this as a tier, as a case where I can't tell you that Jackson at five is that much different than Mahomes at two. We, we know that everybody's got a different story here, right? I mean, Burrow's the ascending player. He's got really good skill talent. The offensive line's been a problem. They think they've fixed it. Uh, Justin Herbert is, is a player also young in his trajectory, his third season. They have good pieces around him, although a lot of the touchdowns are going to go to Austin Eckler, you would think, on the ground, uh, in part because, you know, he has to promote Eckler's edge. And what good <laughs> is it if he's only scoring three touchdowns? We need him to score 14. He's going to be a top five pick. But so you get these young quarterbacks here. Mahomes obviously lost Tyreek Hill. We believe in Mahomes, though. We believe in Andy Reid. Juju Smith-Schuster is an interesting ad. They drafted some speed with Sky Moore in the draft. It, it's hard for me to imagine Mahomes falling out of the top five. Even though I have him, too, it doesn't necessarily mean that I would draft him, too. It's just, again, this is a tier to me. If I were presented with like a choice of all four of these guys in a round and I was quarterback tempted, I might be like, well... Who could get to be a round or two later? Do I, do I see that as even just one round later? Maybe I pick a player I like and hope I can get one of the other four later. Jackson, to me, wild card is too, is too strong a phrase, but he's kind of the joker in this deck in the sense that Baltimore, right, great coaching infrastructure and a team that's been one of the most consistent, competitive, contending teams in the NFL and in a league where – Everything's set up for you not to be good for long periods of time. The, the, the Ravens are almost always good. Yeah. What happened last year? Everybody got hurt. They had one of the worst injury rates as a team in the league. And then Hollywood Brown, you know, who was constantly open, dropped a bunch of, of touchdowns, you know, basically littered the NFL with, with touchdowns dropped in just about every city he played in. And then the second half did almost nothing. And then he's since been traded. I think they're actually going to miss Hollywood Brown a little bit more than maybe is commonly thought. But, you know, because even... Not not just because he can catch a long touchdown and everything, but just he's just one of those guys you have to respect his speed on every snap. But we also know Jackson is one of the few quarterbacks who, you know, he could have a thousand yards rushing and seven or eight touchdowns. Very unlucky with the rushing touchdowns last year. And I, I get it. He's a little bit slight of a quarterback. How many carries are really make a lot of sense. But then again, the NFL has made it illegal to even look at a quarterback with ill intent, let alone hit them. So. Jackson's my five, my quote unquote five quarterback, but I could see the case being that if you're going to dip into this pool, maybe his upside makes him the most tantalizing option. I, I know you ranked Jackson more proactively than I did, and I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. If you just look at the ranks for the entire fantasy crew, it would scream that Josh Allen is probably in his own tier. I, I don't I don't think I could put him there. Um, I think he is solidly in that in that tier of the top five. 
you, you look at the year that Lamar Jackson had, you know, 2019, it was it was a little bit better than the year that that Josh Allen is coming off. You look at the season that Patrick Mahomes had, which, again, Tyreek is gone. And that is a big thing to be missing from the equation. But you look at the season that Mahomes had in 2018, substantially better than the one that, that Josh Allen is coming off. And I don't like I, I don't think any of these guys can't possibly deliver, uh, you know, another version of that of that best season that they've had. So I guess I just don't see a ton of separation for Josh Allen. Love him. Got him on a couple of dynasty rosters. Feeling really good about it. Nothing bad to say about him. Um, but I am I am actually a little bit surprised that we that we all have him number one. And I am maybe maybe I'm not surprised to hear that Salfino in particular took him at, at 17 or 19 or wherever it was. But uh, but I don't know that I would actually assign him to his own tier. Anyway, like all of these top five guys, I think it gets difficult as we as we get out of that group, right? But I, I I'm hung up on one other thing you said that I that I think I want to touch on here, and that is that is the idea that we want to leave a draft with one of the dual threat guys. And I guess I'm just going to make you define what that is because when we look at the year end ranks last year, obviously Allen at the top, major rushing component to his game, a 700 yard rusher, six touchdowns, something like that, great season on the ground. But the number two guy was Brady and and Justin Herbert's up there. Now, there's a rushing component to his game, too, right? Over 300 rushing yards last season, a couple of scores. Mahomes is up there. There's a rushing component to his game, but I don't think we would necessarily describe him as, you know, a, a true dual threat guy. Maybe you would. But the, the other names in this list, you know, it's Rodgers, it's Burrow, it's Prescott, it's Kirk Cousins. It's a whole bunch of guys who didn't actually run a whole lot. I I think I agree with you in the in the notion that, if you're really going to have like a golden ticket player, right, if you're really going to have that one guy who is just an absolute league winner, who is in that group of four or five names where if you have one of them, you're definitely making the playoffs. You're you're a contender for a title. But I don't know that I feel so much that I have to leave a draft with a dual threat guy. I feel like maybe we overreacted to it last year. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, I, I would take. A, and I, I guess as you, you outlined, this kind of like a, this three different kinds of quarterbacks where there's the guys who are really proactive dual threat. There's the ancillary dual threat. Which yeah, I don't I don't know how to discuss. I, I feel like we need to come up with a couple different categories of dual dual threat guys. Right. So we have yeah, the right the, way to talk the, about they're Mahomes. the proactive runners. They're the resource for runners. And yes. they're the I, I don't run anymore. I'm a non runner. <laughs> OK, so Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, proactive runner, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert resourceful runner you know once it's there i'll take it you can give it to me it's there we need it i'll go for it and then you have like the tom brady's and the matthew staffords and the Derek cars and the kirk cousins is those guys don't run at all and you're gonna get you know matt ryan if you want to go even deeper on the board um, so and uh, rogers rogers used to be in group two yes you know resourceful runner now he's just the forget it i'm i'm not doing that stuff anymore and I'm not opposed to you know, Russell Wilson's another guy. He was he was probably in group one. Now not is he in group two, but he's probably even closer to group three where he doesn't run that much anymore either. I don't mind taking a quarterback who is a, a lesser tier two runner or even just one of those I don't run anymore quarterbacks if I feel like he's in a setup where he's going to get a ton of I mean, Brady last year had just to get a ridiculous amount of volume. He was working with Excellent skill talent, which sounds like most of it's coming back. I, you know, the Antonio Brown circus is gone, but um, I would think they'd probably get Gronkowski under contract. I I know they're going to have Mike Evans. It sounds like Godwin will will be ready to play early in the season. I think Russell Gage was a nice addition, so I could see a lot of Brady on my team this year, uh, just from a volume play. From a you know, the touchdown floor is very high for him, but you're going to need that because you get again, you get he, he may sneak a couple in. But he's he's never going to help you otherwise. Yeah, not to so not to cut you off, but you and I each have Tom Brady like in basically the same spot. He's six for me. He's seven for you. So that ranking reflects a belief that Gronk comes back, a belief that they basically run it back with the crew that they had last year, minus Antonio Brown. So again, it comes down to this is you know this is a New York bagel shop. You know this is a really good donut shop. You're going to walk <laughs> in and you're going to have so many choices, and. Another thing I, I, I've heard every once in a while, I hear this like somewhere mentioned as a fantasy strategy. One time, a, a really well-known, I should say, sports per personality should know better. 
said, okay, I'm going to draft like four great quarterbacks in my league and somebody will need to trade with me. <laughs> and the problem is that nobody is ever going to feel stuck at quarterback. I mean, yeah I, yeah, I guess if somebody only takes Mahomes early and he gets hurt in week one, maybe that guy will feel stuck. But even then, you know, maybe he's, you know, maybe one of the undrafted quarterbacks has a huge week one and he goes out and gets him in fab or whatever. But uh, people are not going to feel stuck at this position. You're going to, you can draft at any, at any point and, and you'll come away with the guy you like. I, to me, the, the ranking gets curious in the second five. Uh, my, my second five is Prescott, six, Brady, seven, Wilson, eight, Hertz, nine, Murray, 10. Uh, Prescott, you know, the Cowboys very quietly, on a year where a lot of things didn't go right for them, they led the NFL in points, I, which just seems strange to me where I feel like Zeke was a mild disappointment and C.D. Lamb was a mild disappointment. Cooper was a mild disappointment. Maybe it's because we got more production out of their tight end and their backup running back than we thought we'd expect. And that didn't necessarily turn into a fantasy bonanza. But so maybe also guys like Cedric Wilson were, were um, you know, can, guys who contributed and stuff like that. But Prescott did not run as much as he usually does. I have him at six, but again, it's a case of I might just wait take the boring old Brady safe setup. I, I like what Russell Wilson more than I think a lot of people do because I know he didn't have a great year last year. He's obviously what 33, I believe age 33 season, not as much a proactive runner, but I think Denver's skill talent is at least as interesting as Seattle's. And while they may not have the top end talent to, to match a Metcalf, they have a really deep group. I think Wilson's leaving Seattle at the right time. Remember he was hurt last year in the middle of the season and there's always this disconnect of how should Seattle play? Are they going to let Russ cook? What pace are they going to be at? Oh, wait, they're they're playing at a slow pace again. They're throwing 25 passes a week. This is no good. Uh, I, Wilson, quarterbacks want to win that breakup, right? You know, I mean, Brady wanted to win that breakup with Belichick. Wilson wants to w- win the breakup with Seattle. Not that Russell Wilson was mailing in other seasons, but I think Russell Wilson going into an AFC West where it's going to be a lot of pinball. It's going to be a lot of 38, 35. I think he's actually a really good value. I could see myself drafting a lot of him. I still don't think Jalen Hurts is a plus quarterback as far as throwing the ball and you know uh, pocket attributes. But man, they just got A.J. Brown. The problem is that if A.J. Brown is a good season, that means Hurts probably isn't running as much. And that's where the cheddar is. That's where the gold is buried with fantasy quarterbacks. I probably won't have Kyler Murray. I've just gotten to the point where I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. We know DeAndre Hopkins is looking at a big suspension. Maybe he'll get reduced by a game or two, but I was worried about Hopkins even without a suspension. Now he's undraftable for me. It's just so funny. Like two years ago, the Steelers were undefeated 11-0, and and then that, that team kind of collapsed. Last year, the Arizona was the last undefeated team, and, and by playoff time, nobody trusted them, and then they get spanked in the playoffs. I don't think I'm going to be proactive on Murray. And I think Brady and Wilson are going to be guys I'll probably be drafting into regularly. Okay. Well, let's, let's rewind that a little bit and, and talk about some of these guys, uh, some of these guys individually. I, I really wanted to get to Dak Prescott. Um, Cause I think he's a, I think he's a bit of a problem, right? Like he finished last year, uh, QB seven, I want to say, that had a fair amount to do with uh, the performance in the game in which Philly wasn't even really competing, right? I think he had five touchdowns, had him early. Also had the had the huge week one in what was honestly one of the best games of the year against Tampa. Um, but he's he's without Cooper, probably doesn't get Gallup to start the season. That's a concern. And then we have, you know, is he... Is he going to run again? Um, is a is a big issue for me, and I don't want to I don't want to keep playing that note with some of these quarterbacks. But he but he didn't really last year coming off the injury. You know, he started his career and he was basically six rushing touchdowns a year, and it was nothing for him to call his own number at the goal line, and that didn't really happen last year. That is a that is a major concern. Um, it would be great to see that come back to his game. I don't think we're going to learn that until the regular season is actually underway. I assume that the team is going to say a bunch of sunshiny things about his ability to run the football. But I'm 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 a little bit concerned that Dak Prescott is already entering that category of quarterback you mentioned earlier, where it's like, okay, I'm done running. That's a totally valid critique, and you know maybe. Maybe six is too lofty for him. I I guess to have Dak at six, I guess that shows a lot of faith in CeeDee Lamb because for, for Dak to justify that ranking, right. unless the rushing touchdowns come back, which which I don't think is, is necessarily a way I want to bet, but you'd have to think that CeeDee Lamb would turn into a star, would be like a second round, somebody who could maybe be in the first round next year. 
So that I guess maybe that's a, that's a bet on C.D. Lamb. You know, Cooper was always a weird player. I mean, again, not coming back. He's with Cleveland now. But I never felt – he's one of those players where a lot of times I'd think about drafting him and not take him, and my opponent would get him. And I never knew how to feel about that. And when he did end up my roster, when Cooper would go for 218 and a couple of touchdowns, I wasn't surprised. When, when he'd go for 23 yards and you know, two catches, I was never surprised. Now, I get that the wide receiver is the most – variance heavy position of the four major ones you know so I, that's part of what you, you buy into with this stuff but um it's possible i might have prescott ranked too too lofty here because i i again i don't i see brady and wilson as better values and hurts hurts at least i can tell myself a story where i might draft him although i'm, I'm afraid you know aj brown great player receivers changing teams often there's uh i don't know just, just the connection takes time the rapport takes time uh, another self phenomism is that he thinks a lot of times receivers struggle when they change teams it's because they get upgraded like a number three becomes a two and number two becomes a one that's not the problem with aj brown he was already a bona fide right. number one target so we that doesn't apply and you know of course stefan Diggs he was was seamless when he went to buffalo but so it's not it's not the case of you're asking for somebody to play over their skis or anything like that. But man, I, Philadelphia's just a weird team. You know, last year, a lot of Hertz's production was fourth quarter, was garbage time, was chasing the game. He's the type of guy that if you played him in DFS, or if you had a fantasy matchup that involved Hertz, how you felt at the halftime of that game was often radically different <laughs> than how you felt at the end of that game. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, he's like one of those shaky closers where we, we implore you not to watch him in fantasy baseball, but just hope that you, you get the save in the box score when the game is over. Hurts is kind of a don't watch, but yeah, the numbers are usually there at the end of the game. I'm, I'm just curious to what degree does he give up some of that running? And is it throws to Devonta Smith? Is, is it throws to Dallas Goddard? And, and how quickly can they get A.J. Brown up to speed on a new team? Yeah, it, it's funny that you describe him that way because I've I've described him myself as sort of a uh, oh this will seem like re- really uh, disrespectful, but I've described him as as sort of that the the Dwayne Bow of quarterbacks, right? Where like in Dwayne Bow's best seasons, you just you just couldn't watch. You know, you, there were going to be two brutal drops. It was going to be clear that that you left some uh, some fantasy points out on the field, and yet the final line was always fine. You'd probably get a touchdown. You'd probably get eighty yards, ninety yards. It wasn't a bad day. It was just always a day that could have been much better. Um, and and hurts his. Hurts is really tough for me. I mean, he's not he's not tough in a certain sense, which is that we know he's going to run. It's um, it is a big part of his game personally that I don't think is going to go away. They really leaned into, into the run game generally late in the season last year. There's no reason to think that's not going to continue. I just brought up his game log though. And you look at, you know, you, you look at some of these pass attempt totals early in the year and they just, they just didn't exist late in the season, right? 48 attempts, 39 attempts, 35 attempts. And then by the end of the year, it's 23, 24, 26, 29, right? So that's, that's probably the volume we're looking at, but they add AJ Brown. I mean, the receiving core is unquestionably better and there might not be a, you, you know, taking a bunch of targets that went to Jalen Rager and funneling them to AJ Brown is, I don't know. I don't know if it's even possible to, to come up with a bigger upgrade at the position than that. So I'm excited about it. I, I've got him, you know, I, I think I went into the season last year with Hertz at like QB seven or eight or something like that. I've got him eight this year of like, of course, he's difficult to rank because he is, I mean, he's certainly not the most accurate club in the bag, right? He's got, he's got strides that he still needs to make as a passer, but it's such an interesting fantasy profile. It's so fantasy friendly and um, he's now surrounded, but like the receiving talent there. It is really tough to beat. It's certainly top third of the league. So excited about Hurts. But I also feel like there's a there's a decision that people are going to come to in drafts that is Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray. And that for me is a tough one because we, you know, there's red flags with both players. Obviously, Kyler Murray now is going to be without DeAndre Hopkins for a, for half the fantasy season, right? That's a that's a problem right there. He gets Marquise Brown. That's good. It's a pretty uninteresting passing offense overall. That's bad. Um, I don't know what to make of Murray. He's he's one of those guys where it comes down to, you know, am I going to get 10 rushing touchdowns out of Kyler Murray or am I just going to get a bunch of empty rushing yardage? And uh, and a lot of his fantasy value is probably going to be tied to that. Yeah, we saw a real step back in Murray's willingness to run and yeah. how much of that is maturity is I need, I need to make my living throwing the ball. How much, how much of it was him playing hurt, not wanting to get hit um, for sure, by design. True. And it, 
obviously, and it's interesting too, like you look at the backfields tied to these guys, right? If you had, you know, say, say Miles Sanders and James Conner may not have been drafted all that separately. You know, all there went, somebody may have actually chosen between those two guys last yeah. year or, or had them on the same team, not be sure who to start. And even though I think the consensus is that Sanders is a better player, somehow Sanders had no rushing touchdowns last year and Connor had, I don't know, approximately 47 rushing touchdowns. (laughs) It just, everything went, it was like a cherry, cherry, cherry season for, for Connor and Sanders was the slot machine where nothing showed up. It was like blank screen, blank screen, blank screen. Thank you for playing. You know, please, please put another $20 into the machine. (laughs) I try to steer this into a gen. Don't bet on slot machines, by the way. Bad, (laughs) bad move, bad move. And and everybody who's playing slot machines is never in a good mood. They're usually smoking, you know, sometimes more than one cigarette at once. You know, the scene at the airport when people just have to play slots a little bit more before they catch their flight is always, I I just always think that's the saddest thing. Yeah, it it is very sad. Um, But uh, to me, hurts over Murray, but. Man, I'm curious to see the the positive touchdown regression for Miles Sanders. Man, I, I, I think I'm going to have some shares of him, and maybe I'll be frustrated when he just can't get in the end zone. It's just you know when, when it's not him scoring, hurt scoring. It's it's some satellite back or some guy who's not playable. Who, Philadelphia always seems to have like two or three of those running backs that you never really can pick yeah. them up. We'll talk about them on the Monday pickup podcast. Like, can you really go? You know, grab this guy. No. Can you play him? No. And then. Oh, my gosh. Know. We talked about Howard or Scott or Gainwell in, in every show last year. Boston Scott is going to play for 30 years and just be the same guy. <laughs> he just gets in the way. You have to pick him up every once in a while. When you need him, you'll get 23 yards. And the week you don't need him or, or in the playoff week, it'll be like, oh, let's go to the Red Zone channel where Boston Scott has just ripped off a 55-yard touchdown. And, and you know, the host will say something snarky like, did you play Boston Scott on your fantasy championships? Yeah, probably the, the not. The Zoomers right? don't know who Chester Taylor was, but it's going to be a little bit like that. Yeah, it's not going to be fun. Um, are you with me on Wilson that you think? I think he has a bounce back season. I think he got – this is the right time for this breakup. He's getting to be reinvigorated by some new weapons, like, all sorts of good pieces, and supported by a better defense too. And in a division where I think – and I granted, the division's only six games, and one of them will be tucked into week 18, so that won't be fantasy relevant. So you, know, you don't want to go too far with division analysis because the majority of your games are outside of it. But, man, I just see pinball all over the place. I think Russell Wilson – this is going to be like the Peter King you know, week four story. It's like, oh – Denver's undefeated. Russell Wilson, is this his MVP year? Yes. He says yeah. he's the happiest he's been in five seasons. You know, <laughs> that story's coming, man. I, I'll tell you my my worry with Wilson, and I know it's something that I expressed several times on on podcasts last year. I don't know what to, like, to my eye, he looks as mobile as ever. He looks as frisky as ever. Um, I, I think he can still be vintage Russell Wilson. He, he simply didn't run last year. It didn't happen in any week. He, he finished the season with 183 rushing yards in 14 games. Didn't even have an isolated week in which he, he sort of popped as a, as a, as a running threat. Um, only a couple of rushing touchdowns. And like the year before, 83 attempts, 513 yards, couple of scores. He's always run the ball like 70 plus times. He, he you know, multiple 500 yard seasons, an 800 yard season. It, it, it hasn't been the entirety of his fantasy value, right? It's like obviously a lot of Jalen Hurts' value, a lot of Lamar's value, um, definitely tied to rushing. Wilson has been in his best years a little bit more like Josh Allen where, you know, you, he can carry you as a passer even if he's not running the ball. You don't need a rushing touchdown, but you're probably going to get six of them, and that's really fun. And I am I am really concerned that he he too is now in that category of quarterback. Again, I don't. I don't see a need for it, but I, I feel like he might be in that category of quarterback who is now looking to run as an absolute ra- last resort, which is a little bit of a fantasy problem. But I also agree with you generally about the appeal of the new surroundings. He doesn't. It, it's tough to look at these two receiving cores because I don't. I don't know that either Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy. I don't know that I like either of them just sort of in a vacuum as much as I like either Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, but. The depth of Denver's receiving core is, I mean, that that's where it's not really even that close. Like, I really like Albert O. I really like Tim Patrick. I like Hamlin. I like, you know, I like all of the supporting options there. We like the running backs a little bit better. Obviously, they're running it back with uh, with Gordon, and that is frustrating people who are, you know, banking on big seasons from Javante Williams. But the point is they can both catch the football. They're both really talented after the catch. So he's got, you know, he's got some of those free yards waiting for him, too, in a way that I'm not sure he ever did in Seattle. So 
I like the I like the passing environment a little bit better. I am just very concerned about uh, about his rushing going forward. Totally fair. I it's that's a legitimate concern that people have to weigh how they feel about that. And maybe Wilson's never going to get back to adding value as a runner. I also feel this is totally narrative street. It, it's it's totally a soft factor, but. I felt like there's always like a push and a pull with who did the Seattle offense belong to and should they let Russ cook or not? Or they're trying to win with defense and running. And I just get the idea that Denver's going to be like, okay, all right, man, you know, De- look, Denver's they've had lousy quarterbacks. You know, that's been the one thing holding this team back. And I feel like Denver's just going to just say, okay, here's the playbook, man. What do you want to run? What makes you comfortable? What type of offense do you want us to be? And I feel like Wilson might get more agency or more just, I don't just the, the leniency to run the type of offense he he wants. And again, I think it's just somebody who was in a bad relationship, who's going to be in a good relationship. Not that, not that Seattle and, and Wilson goes, I mean, they, they drafted the guy in the third round. They went to multiple Super Bowls. They won a championship. Wilson lived in the Pro Bowl. I think they never had a losing season until last year. This is wildly successful. But that relationship like this, had a natural life cycle and it was, and it was over. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, for a while, Brad, Brad Pitt and Angelo and Jolie were getting along great too. You know, <laughs> it's just time for these people to move on. And I, I think Wilson has a big, again, these are, I'm pointing to some soft factors here, but just like, it's not exactly like it, but you know, Brady and the Patriots, unbelievable run at the end of Brady's time in new England, they did not have the skill talent to support him. And new England did, was not looking at a quarterback who was like a five-year answer. So, okay. Brady needs better help. New England needs to get younger and they need to transition. The breakup made sense. This is another case where the breakup made sense. I know what did Brady do in that first post breakup year with with better skill talent? Again, th- this isn't the jump from New England skill talent to Tampa Bay skill talent does not equate <laughs> the Seattle yeah, to Denver right. jump. Seattle had good skill talent. It didn't play well last year, and there's a number of reasons for that. But I actually think the setup when you consider the and you talked about the depth of of the skill talent in, Den- in Denver. I think when you combine that with the timing of when this move was made, where Wilson is in his career arc, quarterback in his young 30s can still be a major factor. I I think Wilson's going to outkick his ADP, and I think he'll be somebody I draft into proactively. We've got a group of three quarterbacks that I that I want to be sure to hit here because I think they'll all get drafted in leagues that are, you know, 12 teams, 14 teams. Just a fun collection of not totally dissimilar players. I want you to sort Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, and Aaron Rodgers for me. I have them actually ranked in that order. In each case, you know, we we have new coaching voices on the scene. Uh, Of course, with Derek Carr, we have, you know, Rodgers, absolute security blanket receiver and Devontae Adams, one of the most gifted to ever do it, um, has chosen to leave Green Bay and join Derek Carr as former, former collegiate quarterback. Those two were just absolutely sensational together at the college level. Uh, that that is obviously a huge swing. I am I am pretty infatuated with uh, with Derek Carr, particularly at the price point where you can get him in most leagues. Right, like he's a guy who had almost literally everything went wrong last season from the you know the departure of the head coach. You know he loses rugs in the middle of the season to to tragic circumstances loses Darren Waller for a big chunk of the year to injury still finishes his seat. And by the way, like Derek Carr got off to a start last year where it was just 400 yards a week, um, still finishes his season with 4,800 passing yards, um, leads them to a playoff berth and a, a playoff appearance in which they, they were like one possession away from maybe beating the team that ultimately made it to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. So really impressive season for Carr without, without any help outside of Hunter Renfro. And, and now he gets this receiving core that's that's just kind of unbelievable in, in Adams, Renfro, Waller. It's a great group. So I've actually got him ahead of Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers. And to your point earlier, I'm waiting for somebody else to join that receiving core in Green Bay because this is, this is a lot to ask of Rodgers, right? Like he's obviously he's one of the most gifted passers that you and I have ever seen. Fantastic talent. Maybe maybe Aaron Jones ends up leading that team in receiving. I've got Alan Lazard as the highest ranked Green Bay receiver right now. They bring in the kid out of North Dakota State. Watson, really gifted prospect, but huge learning curve ahead of him. So it's just it's just rough. I mean, that receiving core just does not compare at all to what we find in Minnesota or in Vegas. Yeah, I'll I'll just really boil this down simply. Derek Carr, green light. Aaron Rodgers, red light. Yeah, Derek Carr, I, I know you have to go back, what, like maybe eight, nine years, but Carr and Adams 
were ridiculous at Fresno State. They put up pinball numbers. And look, Fresno State is in Alabama. I, I get it. I mean, you know, the, the quality of competition played into that. But at least it's not like Carr and Adams need to meet each other. It's not like they need to get a sense of, oh, hey, hey, Devontae, what uh, it's Devante, right? What 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 routes do you <laughs> like to run? You know, I mean, they've already they've already got some familiarity here. And what does Carr have? He, he has a touchdown machine. And, you know, for all the talk of, oh, t- touchdown rates, they regress. And, you know, receivers who had a big touchdown season or a small touchdown season, you get to mean, push that to the mean. There are reasons why certain guys like Devontae Adams score touchdowns and certain guys like Julio Jones, as talented as he was, was, was always like five or seven. You know, Andre Johnson was like that. Very seldom a dominant touchdown guy. Adams is so good in space. He had a- amazing rapport with with Rodgers. And, and even though Carr and Adams have a history – you want to be careful to not assume it's going to be Rogers Adams 2.0, because that just might be something that happens once a generation. Yeah. Still from the car perspective, he's got Adams to get double digit touchdowns. Waller's one of the three or four best tight ends in the league. Renvro has emerged as that, that slot guy, the option route guy, the third and eight, he's going to put you the defender in conflict. He's going to get on the right side of leverage. He's going to make a cut. The ball's going to be there. It's like, how do we stop that? You know, he's going to catch another 95, 100 balls. He's legitimate. They have some people who can get deep on this roster. And, you know, Josh Jacobs is getting to the point. You know, running backs age out of the league and out of fantasy relevance so quickly. Yeah, it feels like Josh Jacobs hasn't been in the league that long. But once they get sniffing that second contract, we get nervous. Yeah, I think the Raiders are going to have a lot of weeks where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, 13 carries for Jacobs went nowhere. Carr had to throw the ball 45 times to keep up with what the opponents were doing. And it was another 337 and three for Carr. He's one of my favorite targets, both if you're in a draft one league, I think you could live with him. If you're in a super flex league and if I could come out with with. Brady and Carr or Wilson and Carr or, or maybe even Carr and one of the fun upside quarterbacks later. I, I would love to do that. I'm going to be proactive. Again, it's a green light for Derek Carr. I don't like the setup for Rodgers. The circus leaves town for everybody. When your first receiver, when you're thinking about drafting a quarterback, a fantasy quarterback who doesn't run, and the best thing you can say about his number one receiver is like, yeah, he's like wide receiver 35 on my board or something like that. <laughs> yep, Man, I, exactly that, that is not a setup for success. You know, even yeah. if you're a pro Allen Lazard guy, what do you have him at 28 or 30? That's like the best it's going to be for Lazard. He's not a special talent. We can't expect Watson to be a great player right away. Robert Tunyon went on milk cartons last year. The strength of this team will probably be the running backs. And, you know, yeah, they'll catch a couple of touchdowns, but total red light on Rodgers. I, I think there's a fair chance I will end the draft season. You know how often we draft. There's a fair chance I may not draft Aaron Rodgers the entire summer. Yeah, yeah. Coming off back-to-back MVPs, you're so right. Those are the first first couple things I said about Rodgers in his favor were, well, um, his running backs can catch a little, and um, Alan Lazard is my wide receiver 35. Yeah, that's not um, it's not really a glowing recommendation, and that doesn't doesn't even reflect on Rodgers necessarily so much as the talent around him. I want before we get out of here, I wanna I wanna lob some names at you and just get quick reactions on these guys. And I'll start with, you know, this this is so weird to me because I'm, I overall, I'm really bullish on Justin Fields moving forward. They just need to, they just need to escape this season without doing any serious damage to him. But you're the highest member of the group on Fields at 16. uh, And I'm the lowest at, at 20. I am, I am, I understand the Bears had needs basically everywhere in the draft, and they didn't have a lot of draft picks with which to address them. So that's definitely a concern. But this looks like it could be the worst offensive line in the league. It is currently, as we speak, perhaps the worst receiving core in the league, right? It's Darnell Mooney and some guys, uh, Byron Pringle, Cole Komet, Valus Jones, a receiver that no one was even really aware of uh, until, until the Bears plucked him. To me, it's a rough outlook, and I was he's a wonderful runner, uh, no question about that. His Certainly his best rush attempts last year were some of the best that we saw from a quarterback all season. Uh, I would actually argue that some of, his, some of his best throws were as good as any made by a rookie quarterback last year, but of course he turned the ball over. Of course, reading the field is going to be an issue for a player his age and his experience level. Um, I'm just, I'm just I, I know I said these were supposed to be short answers, but I kind of filibustered on, on fields. I'm sorry about that. I will give you equal time. I don't know. Tell me the things you like about him. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you're basically our Chicago beat writer uh, <laughs> on staff, so uh, I, you're entitled to do that. I actually did move Fields down um, one slot. I moved Deshaun Watson over him, and I don't, I don't want to talk much about Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to be suspended 
and miss a chunk of the season. But it's, also, it's a really hard thing to express in ranks. I think I'm, I think mm-hmm. I'm with you there, right? Yes, yeah. but if you and I don't, I don't like to wait for developing stories in fantasy. If say that suspension is going to hit right away, a lot of people might be like, "Well, I'll just just draft Deshaun Watson, then I'll have a top five quarterback on October first. It, it doesn't always work that way. I mean, there, there can be ramp up time. He's on a new team, but at least I had to reflect that he does have some upside once you get past the suspension. The, again, the likely suspension. We don't know that it's definite for sure. I mean, the NFL's record with how they handle these things is all over the map. So I don't want to claim like we know for sure what's coming, but I think it's certainly plausible that he's going to miss some time and. They've certainly structured the contract along that way. I I guess the less we talk about Watson, the better. But with Fields, as you said, the Bears the Bears needed so much in the draft. I guess you can understand why they didn't stock the fridge versus like how the Jets did it for Zach Wilson or how at least the Jaguars were making attempts to make things better for Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if they spent their money altogether wisely, but at least the head coaching is, is different. The coaching staff's been broomed away. So that's like a addition by subtraction. I think I could see Fields maybe having like a poor man's version of the Hurts season where it's ugly. Mm. You can't watch yeah. it. But there are a lot of games where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Hurts was all over the place. He threw some of the ugliest passes of the day and he ran for 98 yards and a touchdown <laughs> and he threw for a late touchdown to Cole Komet. And here he is quarterback six. And I never felt like he played well the whole day. I think he could have some games like that. And I don't want to be too hard on him because, again, they haven't done much to set him up. Uh, but the player I have ranked uh, one or two slots below him or maybe it's above him now i don't know what to do with trey lance who played very little last year but man did he run like a madman when he did play garoppolo he's, he's not yeah, didn't he have right like now. 16 or 18 attempts in in the in the one game that we that we really saw him as a, a like this is what the trey lance experience would look like i, I mean the san francisco offense is like nobody else i mean they're yeah. they're franchise receivers or running back and they have two quarterbacks. We think they're going to trade one, but he's not healthy yet. But does anybody really want Jimmy Garoppolo anymore? And you know, the Debo soap opera was going on. We don't know how many games George Kittle's going to play. Brandon Ayuk was considered the number one receiver on this team a year ago. Then last year, he's an opening day scratch. Just a lot of moving parts, right? You know, they move up the draft, Trey Sermon. He's basically like you're filing retirement papers a month into the season, it felt like. <laughs> what a what a weird... And then they go to the NFC Championship game, right? I mean, they almost went to the Super Bowl. And yet Niner fans, it never seems like they're really sure what the what kind of hand they're holding. You know, they're almost like a flush draw. You know, there was you, you there was the a f- report in the past week, uh, past week or two that uh, that, you know, it, it, it was one of those things that like, why? Why is this even a report? This was evident. The Niners coaches and, and uh, front office had been underwhelmed by Trey. Well, yeah, they'd been underwhelmed by Trey Lance, because if they'd been impressed by Trey Lance, they would have played him over Jimmy Garoppolo. They gave up all that draft capital to take him. Um, There's such a rumor team, too. It's like, oh, maybe Kyle Shanahan really wanted Mac Jones. Maybe he was talked into Trey Lance and. You know, people start scrambling for their their rowboat to to escape the the ocean liner that's going down. But bottom line is, though, you can tell yourself a story where Trey Lance runs for nine hundred and seventy yards. That that's and you can yeah, also tell yourself absolutely. a story where he he doesn't start the majority of the games in San Francisco. So he, and so we have a lot of quarterbacks like this, right? It's like we're going to find out this year with Tua. They okay. Okay, so that Tyree was going to be my next my next name, yeah. and and I'm abandoning the uh, the quick reaction approach to this one. But Tua was going to be my next name, right? Because they've they've put everything around him. They put you know they've got an offensive line now. They go from having like one of the worst offensive lines, probably the worst offensive line last year, to like it's rebuilt. They got a real left tackle now, and the receivers are just. I mean, you can't beat Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. They are getting married or breaking up by the end of the year. There it is. Yeah, he's either yeah. he's going to be okay. We have the right quarterback. Look what he did, what he had talent. You know, Waddle had Waddle had an interesting year last year, a million catches. They were all like short catches. I think he averaged less than 10 yards of reception, which is not exciting. But anytime you see over 100 you'd, If you'd asked yourself somebody, before the season, what would be the weirdest way to use Jalen Waddle? That would probably be it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm still not sure two is any good, but we're going to find out. I mean, at least you can tell yourself an upside story with him. I don't see upside with Mac Jones. I don't see upside with Ryan Tannehill. I see a, a whiff of upside with Trevor Lawrence. I still think I, – I can't believe that every NFL scout was wrong on him. I, I think he just set up to fail last year. And speaking of, of setting up to fail, you know, everything went wrong for Daniel Jones. He's If, he, if somebody asked me, okay, what quarterback outside the top 20 
could be a really fun pick for Superflex or or maybe even, you know, like a, a fun streamer or a fun quarterback. If if your starter, you know, you drafted Joe Burrow, he got hurt or something, what quarterback could bail you out? I like Brian Dable. I still like the receivers in in New York. I, I don't they don't know what they're doing with Tony yet. Um Gall Galladay it got to the point where everybody liked Galladay and then everybody just abandoned Galladay. He's still not a bad player. It, it was just a year ago where he was interesting free agent. I could see him coming back into seven to nine touchdown relevance. And Daniel Jones is athletic. He could run for 450 yards and a handful of touchdowns. So I'm interested in him. I, if Jameis Winston still had Sean Payton, I, yeah. I'd be kind of curious there. I think Olave's going to hit the ground running. The, the Ohio State, the receiving talent they had last year was just absurd. You'd watch them play for 45 minutes. I'm like, wow, I've just seen three different receivers make like the best catch I've seen all month. That's how good their receivers were. But um, we'll see if Michael Thomas is ready to be a factor again. I don't know what the offense is going to look like with Peyton finally moving on. But you know when you're – don't play it safe with these late, you know, if you need to draft a backup or your super flex, whatever, let your hair down with these guys. You go for the Trevor Lawrence's or go for the Daniel Joneses, or even if you want to tell yourself a story about Zach Wilson, which, you know, um, if you need some pro jet stuff, talk to Salfino, he'll help you out. That is not the time to draft Mac Jones or Ryan Tannehill yes. or, yes. you know, a version of that. Even, even Jared Goff, man. I don't know when Jameson Williams will be ready to contribute, but obviously St. Brown is a player and they get Hawkinson back. If they could ever keep DeAndre Swift on the field, he could easily have like 550 receiving yards. Hey, there was a minute last year when it looked like DeAndre Swift, if he could stay healthy, was going to catch like 90 passes. But a month in the season, he was like one of my uh, apology players. Like, okay, I just <laughs> didn't rank him high enough. And then you get hurt again. And that was that. Was that. But uh, and then they underkicked their win output. They had the Pythagorean to like win like five or six games. And they, you know, being Detroit, you need somebody to, to kick the longest field goal in NFL history after a bad <laughs> non-fall start call, you know, call on the Lions. You know, everything bad happens to that team. But it seems like they got the head coach right. And the thing to remember with, with Jared Goff, you know, Stafford's better. Stafford's like a borderline Hall of Famer. Jared Goff is is at his best a little bit better than league average. And at his worst, he's below league average. Doesn't mean he's bad. Doesn't mean, again, we're talking super flex, we're talking streamer, we're talking, you know, injury by week, stuff like that. At least he's got pieces around him where I can tell myself a story that any week Jared Goff goes for 313 and two or three touchdowns. I mean, he's going to do that like once every four or five games. That is a really good note, actually, for us to go out on, not Jared Goff specifically, but the idea that, man, you're taking a swing at quarterback or really any position late in your draft. Don't just get a guy. Um, swing, swing for upside. Uh, you know, you should basically at, a, at almost every point in the draft, you should be thinking sure. in, in terms of guys that can break out in a huge way and be real difference makers for you. So that is going to do it for us in this episode. You can follow him on Twitter. Please do at Scott underscore Pianowski. You can follow me at Andy Barons. While you're there, please be sure. Surely you're doing this by now. If you're not doing it by now, you're probably never going to do it. But you should be following at Yahoo Fantasy. Liz and Dalton are going to be back later in the week with a look into how this offseason will change the RB rankings. Until then, we are out. <laughs>